Hello, my fellow true crime fans. If you found this, that means you're probably a fan of the gruesome, a little bit unexplained, and or killers. So whether you listen to this while on the treadmill, or maybe in the kitchen while you're cooking dinner, or even if you put it on while you fall asleep at night, thank you so much for listening. It's that time of year and Halloween is right around the corner. It's my favorite holiday. So today's episode is about a family that gets murdered on Halloween. Stick around to the end to find out what happens. But before we go into today's episode, I wanna share some interesting facts about schizophrenia with y'all. Schizophrenia is when someone has thoughts or experiences that seem out of touch with reality. It can manifest as disorganized speech or behaviors. Some people decrease their participation in daily activities. Their memory or concentration may be affected. Schizophrenics, schizophrenics, wow, that is a really tough word. Try saying it 10 times fast. They typically show signs of hostility or extreme reaction to criticism. Stressful life events, such as losing your job, home, divorce, etc., can spark schizophrenia. Early onset can present as early as age 18. And did you know that less than 1%, really less than half of 1% of people are schizophrenic? But there's so many other illnesses that look like schizophrenia and vice versa. So let's get into today's episode. late on the eve of Halloween in 2010, in the small town of Martin, Ohio. The beautiful home sits on 99 acres with a one and a half acre pond in the back. The father, William, and adult son, BJ, are hanging out with their neighbor, Mark. They're drinking beers, laughing about how much fun they had hunting up at the cabin earlier that day. They finally wrap up their fun around midnight and head to bed. Early the next morning, around 9 a.m., the younger stepson, Devin, comes home from spending the weekend at his dad's. He changes into his church clothes for a concert that he's singing in. He heads to the church around 10, sings in the choir, and then comes back home around 11. He sits down to play video games. The house is quiet. His older brother, Derek, must be out. His mom, Susan, and William must be out as well. So Devin plays video games until about one, when his aunt calls to ask where Derek is. He was supposed to have done some work for them that morning, but never showed up. Derek is 23 and still living at home. And Devin finally realizes how quiet the house truly is. He tells his aunt that he'll go look and hangs up the phone with her. He goes into his mother's bedroom and sees that she and William are still in bed. He knows this is unusual behavior because they're early risers. He goes over to the bed and pulls the covers back. At that moment, he thinks this has to be a Halloween prank. He tries to wake his mom up. Her eyes are black and blue and her body stiff. Devin runs terrified from the house. He calls his aunt. He says that something has happened to his mom and William and that she needs to call 911. She places the call to 911 before getting to the house. She rushes over and then rushes into the house. She goes to William and Susan's bedroom and after a few minutes, she comes back out and calls 911 again. The next audio clip 
is what we were able to track down for the 911 call. It was previously edited and spliced. When investigators arrive at the house, they head straight for William and Susan's bedroom. They see that William is sleeping on his side of the bed, the side closest to the door, and that Susan is on her side of the bed with her legs slightly dangling off. Right away, they can see that William has been shot four to five times, and Susan was shot three times and has defensive wounds. There's blood on the bedding, on the carpet, on the wall, even on the ceiling, and investigators continue their search of the house. They head to Derek's bedroom and break into the locked room. They see that he is in the sleeping fetal position. He never even awoke to the blunt force trauma to his skull. Castoff shows that he was struck at least twice, and they believe it's a hammer or a tool similar to that that killed him. The investigators start to develop a sequence of events. They think Derek was killed first, quietly, so that William and Susan weren't awoken. The killer then locked Derek's bedroom door before exiting. The killer went into the bedroom of William's Susan, and they killed William first, and then they took Susan's life. The killer took time to clean up the shell casings in William and Susan's bedroom. They took time to cover them with a blanket. Police find muddy footprints on the dock to the one and a half acre pond, and they start to believe that maybe the killer threw the weapon into the pond, so they have it drained. And they trudge around in the mud and muck and come up empty-handed. Police officers start to look at Devin, since he's the one that originally found William and Susan. They start to dig into his alibi, and he tells them that he didn't get home from his dad's until about 9 a.m. and then he went to church to sing in the choir around 10. He didn't return home from that until almost 11 and then played video games until nearly one in the afternoon when his aunt finally called him asking where Derek was. The police officers start to wonder how someone can play video games until the afternoon and not wonder where the family is or wonder why it's so quiet in a house that's not typically quiet. They start to look at him as a suspect. Devin remembers seeing his older stepbrother, BJ, before he went to church. He remembers thinking it was a little odd because BJ wasn't allowed at the house by himself and he was loading things into William's Ford pickup. Devin and BJ didn't typically chat a whole lot. They didn't see eye to eye on things and BJ was usually quiet, detached, and not talkative. But today, he was chatty happy even. He wanted to know when Devin would be home. And Devin shook off the weirdness before heading to church and didn't think about it again until investigators started to grill him. B. 
BJ lived away from the blended family in a halfway house. He only came home on some weekends, but stayed that night because they had been drinking and William did not want to have to drive him home. BJ and Susan did not get along. 10 years earlier, when she had moved in, the whole dynamic of the house changed and he did not like her authority over him. For the first four years, tensions grew. He shoved her around and was combative. When he was 18, BJ attacked Susan while she was in the shower. This was the last straw. The boy was sent to live in a halfway house away from the family. This made him angry and he fumed for six years. Police officers tried to track BJ down. First, they went to the halfway house. Then they were told about the cabin that was a couple hours away. So they called the police station that was in that area and told them to go check it out, but to be careful because the suspect is armed and dangerous. So when the police officer pulled up the driveway to the cabin and saw the white Ford pickup that BJ had taken from his dad, he knew he was there and he planned to wait for backup. But BJ came out of the house. The officer was able to detain him and keep him in custody while the other officers searched the truck and the cabin. They found a small caliber 22 rifle in the truck. There was blood on it. There was also blood in the truck, on the truck, and on BJ's shoes and socks. BJ was quiet as he was taken into custody. And then the next day, William's sister is found dead in a house fire. Police are concerned that BJ had something to do with her death also. Here's a recreation of what happened the eve of Halloween and Halloween morning. BJ, William, and their neighbor Mark are sitting around drinking. BJ and William get into an argument. BJ is upset that Derek, the stepbrother that's close to his age, is allowed to stay in the home after getting in trouble with the law recently, when BJ had been kicked out. The argument wraps up. They calm down and they go to bed around midnight. Because they've been drinking, William lets BJ stay on the made-up couch bed. Around 6.30 the next morning, BJ wakes up, finds a hammer, grabs the 22 caliber hunting rifle, and heads into Derek's room. He's so quiet that he doesn't wake Derek up. He lifts the hammer and swings it down onto Derek's skull, cracking it open. He lifts the hammer a second time, spraying more blood and slams it down into Derek's skull a second time. Derek never waking from his sleep. BJ locks Derek's door and exits the room. Then he heads to William and Susan's room. From the doorway, he fires a few shots into his dad. This wakes Susan up. She starts to climb out of bed and BJ fires the rifle at her. She tries to block one of the shots. BJ then covers both the bodies and picks up all the shell casings. He closes their door and cleans himself up, or so we think, since Devin didn't notice blood covering his stepbrother when he saw him three hours later. BJ hides the hammer behind a safe that's wedged into a closet. He starts to load up the truck, puts the gun in the truck, chats with Devin, and then makes the couple hour drive up to the cabin. 
he spends the next couple hours at the cabin. Police officers quickly drop their concerns about how William's sister dies. Because BJ is in custody when the house catches fire. Arson investigators determine that the fire started in the garage because of a lit cigarette. Police determine that it's a coincidence and they move on. BJ is charged with murdering his dad, his stepmom, and his stepbrother. He is found fit to stand trial after being diagnosed with a schizoaffective disorder, bipolar type. BJ has a phone call with his mom while in jail, and at first he's denying these charges, but then he abruptly ends the call with her and then changes his plea to guilty. In a courtroom full of people, BJ says that he cannot explain why he killed them. He is sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. However, in March of 2015, at the age of 29, BJ takes his own life in prison. William, Susan, and Derek's remains are all cremated. Devin is still alive, married with children, and he got married on his family's farm, and he says he refuses to have a sad memory where he grew up. I want to leave you with these final thoughts. What did BJ do for those unexplained hours in between leaving the house and going to the cabin and while at the cabin. And why did he let Devin live but killed the rest of the family? Hi, true crime fans. If you enjoyed today's episode, please slide on over to that five-star review button, press it, and then share with all of your friends however you share information, whether it's verbal, text, or all over your social media. Thank you so much for listening. A new episode is uploaded weekly. We hope you have a happy Halloween.